Hey guys, Ian here with another episode of Unleashed and Unhinged, the podcast where we talk about all things dog. Dog training, dog behaviour, dog health, literally anything you can think about when it comes to dogs, we'll talk about on here. We hope you enjoy the episode. everybody and welcome to this week's episode. This week we're going to be kind of following on from what we started last week and we're going to go into part two of three-part kind of mini-series and mini-sections on things that we see people consistently do that set them up to fail. So last week we talked all about dominance theory and how it is still super prevalent but massively updated and we unpacked uh, that and, and the nuances around that and this week we're not going to talk about that at all um, although they kind of do go hand in hand a little but this week we're going to be talking about language and the way that people talk about their dogs and more specifically something that again we'll hear over and over again the language we use when we're talking about how we communicate with our dogs so um we're going to be talking about the words obedience and commands because it's so prevalent in the way that we talk about our dogs. Like, oh yeah, they're really good. They really listen. They really obey. They obey the commands and you should really tell them what to do. And that language is so unhealthy if we stop and think about it because no healthy relationship is really built around obeying commands. The people that I know and love and trust and respect the most... Um, I don't have that kind of relationship with. We used Dog training used to be a monologue. It used to be we instruct, they obey. And if they didn't, they were a bad dog. And that was kind of the crux of it. Like, uh, basically, the definition of it was, you know, if your dog doesn't listen, then they're disrespecting you. They're a bad dog. And that's where the whole dominance theory that we talked about last week would really kick in. But these days, we really trying to move the needle on this one because what we're trying to do is encourage a healthy dialogue a conversation a a back and forth between the individuals that are having that conversation because if i want my dog to do something i'm going to ask it now don't get me wrong this is not i'm going to pre uh kind of premise this with this is not an emergency situation. I'm not. I'm not talking about the times when the, the, the things. It's an emergency situation, and I need my dog to do it for safety's sake or anything like that. Because that, we hear that pushback all the time. But what if you need your dog to do it? Well, then I'm telling, and I'm going to go and handle it because that's just common bloody sense. I'm talking about the day-to-day interactions with my dogs, and it's a dialogue, right? I, I will. Ask my dogs, hey, mate, would you want to? Hey, mate, can you? Hey, mate, do you want to? You know, this asking them and then more importantly, waiting to see how they respond to what I've asked. Because their response is their half and their part of the dialogue. If they opt in, brilliant, great. He's not being good for the record. 
just like he wasn't being bad if he ignored me. He's not being good. He's, he's just opted in. Like, the whole thing of a dog being moral is fundamentally flawed. They've got the cognitive ability of about a 1-year-old to 18-month-old child. They're not moral beings. They're not trying to be good and bad. In fact, the whole notion of a good dog and a bad dog is a crock of shit. And fundamentally outdated information that means that if we're prescribing to that, we don't understand dog behaviour and dog cognition. But I digress. If the dog says yes and opts into what I've asked, then brilliant, we carry on and move on with our day. If the dog opts out, this is where it really gets important to engage in the dialogue because he, any living thing, has, should have the opportunity to consent, right? If we take that away, then we have got an extremely unhealthy relationship. So he's not, if he says no, don't hold the dog accountable, right? It's on me as the caregiver to hold myself accountable and go, why? Why not? Like, there's a reason, there's a reason behind his choice. And then I've got to ask myself, like, what, what's going wrong? Like, why is this dog opting out of what I'm saying? And there's so many reasons it could be in it. It's just, and I'm going to summarise a few, but there's probably more. There's definitely more. Let's say, I, he just doesn't understand what I'm asking. Right, so if I say, hey, mate, jump up on the sofa. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You've never asked me to do that before. There's a, or you've not asked me to do that enough for you to really know, for him to really know what you're saying. Or maybe you've never asked him in this context before. Maybe it's a random ass sofa in somebody else's house. And, you, and he's never been there before and you're just speaking in English, which is, there's a non-verbal species, it's going to be hard for him to translate. And he just hasn't generalised that behaviour enough. Or let's say, for example, he is not motivated enough. So he's just like, no, I don't want to go up on the sofa. And so maybe you're asking him because you put him too close to a distraction. And I use that word on purpose. You put him too close to. Not he's too close to. Because the reality is that he cho you choose where he is and when. So we're the ones that set up the environment that he's in in the first place. And we haven't set him up to succeed. Again, we need to take ownership of that, not our dogs. So if, he, if we put him around a distraction that is too motivating for him to go towards, then it's not, you know, like say I'm in the dog park and I want him to come back to me, but he's really close to a cheese sandwich because some, somebody's having a picnic in the park. It's not a dog's fault. He's a dog. You know, I've let him off lead around the person that's got a sandwich. And yes, I can get shitty at the person with the sandwich all I want, but it doesn't actually help. So I won't. I might. Depends. Depends if you catch me on a bad day. But I still won't hold my dog accountable. If you're going to have a picnic in a, in, a, in a dog park, we're probably not going to be that good of friends. But again, I digress. But let's say it's a distraction that he's too scared of. Too scared to turn his back on. Like, I, uh, let's say, I, my friend says to me, okay, um, do you want to go out for a burger tonight? Yeah, sure. We're going to do it in a tiger pen. No. Right? Because my fear will override my desire for burgers in that context. And he, then he says to me, okay, well, we'll put a glass wall between you and the tiger. Yeah, sure, I'll eat. I mean, that's two birds in one stone. Love tigers not in captivity so maybe there's an ethical thing there but anyways 
you know, but the point is, context really matters. Maybe the dog's in pain and you're asking him to jump up or sit down and he's got a sore hip. You know, there's... The dog should always be able to voice his opinion. And when he says no, it's on us to understand the why and be better trainers. You know, even if I feel like I'm motivating him, I'm like, hey, mate, I've got chicken over here. And he still hops out. Now, to most dogs, chicken is probably really motivating. But again, maybe he's full. Maybe he's got steak right next to him. Maybe, you know, there's a million reasons. And just because it's we think we're using positive reinforcement, we've got to be really mindful. Like, maybe we're not. Maybe we're not because the dog chooses whether it's reinforcing or not. On the other end of the scale, if the dog doesn't opt in, the last thing I want to do is punish my um, my dog. I don't want to break the relationship down between me and my dog. I want him to want to listen. I don't want to use coercion uh, or intimidation, let alone fear, uh, for my dog to do things. Um, I want to motivate. I want my dog to, when I speak, to feel like, oh, this is going to be the best part of my day, what are you offering? Um, and that's really important. I feel like every single dog deserves to live a life without fear of the one person that's meant to care for them at, on a fundamental level. But that ability to consent, the ability to opt in, is has affected my training style. Is as a, I used to use aversives as a trainer, and I just don't anymore. I feel like there's much better ways to uh, to teach and to train people and dogs and any any animal. Um, but I'm not going to go into that too much detail. So that's a kind of worms in itself. But yeah, the. When I'm communicating with my dog, I want to enter a healthy dialogue. I want to be able to listen to his body language. What's he saying? And then if he's not saying what I predicted he would say, work out why, take that opinion on board and set him up for success next time. Change the situation. And this is a a sentence that's stuck with me that I've heard from another trainer and I would love to reference who... And maybe one day the name will come to me and I'll remind everybody that I've said this, but control the situation, not the dog. You know that? um, I know how I would feel if I was being micromanaged, if I was being punished um, and put in situations in the first place where I wasn't set up to succeed um, and then had expectations on me. That would be a really debilitating life. Um, We want to give our dogs the opportunity to consent and opt in and opt out um, and I'm not saying that we should let dogs have free reign of all their choices that's not real life and that's not common sense and that's not a reasonable argument to counteract what I'm talking about because yes we need to set them up for, to succeed in the first place you know and I don't want to put my dog at the wheel if he doesn't know how to drive um, but that doesn't mean I can't put him in a training wheel. So I'll train for the situation, not necessarily in it, to be able to give him as much autonomy over his outcomes as is reasonably appropriate for my dog and the situations that I'm working towards. Um, the last thing I want to do is overpunish. 
because something that we've seen over and over again, I'm going to leave it, leave everybody with this one today. And just the last thing we want is to use punishment so much that the dog just becomes compliant um, out of learnt helplessness. So we, we punish to the point where the dog just goes, doing something else is just not worth it. It brings negative results. And that, unfortunately, so often we see that really dull-looking dog, the one that's dead and moved and it's just kind of there, but the life's been sucked out of it. And we're, you know, we'll, we'll hear people talking to it like, come on, come on, get and just that really intense, if they take a step out of line and the dog's like, oh, Christ, it's just not worth it. And that's learned helplessness, guys. So that's not, and the bad part is that dog often gets called a good dog because he's compliant. And that's sad, isn't it? If we think about that for a second. Learned helplessness is basically where the dog has learned it is futile to try. And that is a horrible state of living for anyone. That was a study done and please correct me in comments if I'm wrong but I think it was done by Skinner where it was horrible he luckily we're not allowed to do studies these days um but there were basically dogs put on electric floors and of course when they were on on metal floors pardon me and when they were electrified and if they weren't tethered they would get off and we learn okay dogs avoid uh pain but when tethered that metal floor of course at first they would pace and they would whine and they would complain uh, and very reasonable to do so but eventually they would just lay down and they would just go well escape is futile I'll just lay down and that's really sad what's even sadder is later on if a dog had been conditioned and this dog had been basically conditioned to feel helpless and just lay down if he felt the electricity, uh, it would even do that in the future when in the same situation, but not tethered, it had learned, despite it being able to, by all reasonable means, be able to leave in its brain, it couldn't because it had cornered itself it felt trapped and that's learned helplessness and that's what punishment can do and that's why we should be affording our dogs the opportunity to consent to what we ask them to do because if we don't and we start punishing them for being bad and not listening then their quality of life decreases dramatically so that is the second thing that we see people do a lot is the way they communicate with their dogs we want people to engage in a healthy dialogue rather than think about obeying commands so we'll leave you there with that one and next week we're going to be talking about the third thing that people do all the time that we see commonly that don't help them live a healthy and happy life with their dogs see you then thanks so much for listening that's it for this week guys if you ever want to ask questions give feedback or just provide some suggestions regarding the podcast find me on ian shivers dog advocate on instagram i'll be happy to help If you're feeling really generous, leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this podcast on. And if you want to nerd out more with us, then find our sponsors because they're the ones that make all of this possible. See you next week. This episode is sponsored by Canine Caregivers. I've had so many people reach out to me over the years, not knowing where to turn to online for reliable and consistent advice on how to raise a healthy and happy dog. The information out there is hard to navigate. It's hard to know who to trust and who not to trust. And frankly, some of it is just downright dangerous. That's why we created Canine Caregivers. 
a place where you can come and get educational resources and access a supportive community founded on the care approach for people just like you, whether you've just brought a dog into your life or you've got a dog that is experiencing some unwanted behaviors. The content is updated regularly and we constantly keep in touch with our members to make sure that we are bringing relevant and up-to-date content that truly matters to you. There's different tiers of membership for different needs. So you can be sure that you don't have to break the bank to access the information that can literally make all the difference to the quality of life between you and your dog. Head to caninecaregivers.com.au to learn more.